This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Larry Hardesty in for Gordon Damer. Beautiful Saturday afternoon. Thank you for stopping by at 1-800-919-3776. Thank you, Anita. Great job as always. You got me through some chores I had to do, some errands I had to run. Anita Marks from noon to 3 here on 98.7. Also, you can hit me up on Twitter at Hardest to ESPN at ESPNNY 98 underscore 7 FM. JP and I are here with you until 6.30. Then it's Jets preseason football, the pregame show. Dan Grasser, Greg Buttle. Get you prepared for Marty Lyons and Barbara Schusen with the call here on 98.7 ESPN. I, I, I am shocked. I can't believe it. I saw a tweet from Wischusen saying it's been 20 years. I can't believe Bob and Marty have been doing this for 20 years. That's crazy. 20 years. Wow. Hats off to them. They do a fabulous job. Had the pleasure of uh, working with them, doing some sidelines for a couple of those years. Those guys are great. They do a fabulous job. So we'll talk a little football later. But right now I want to talk a little baseball with you at 1-800-919-3776. And the narrative for me today is how the two local teams bounce back from some excruciating losses. On Thursday night, when I signed off filling in for Carlin, the Yankees were dead. They were down 7-3, and it looked like it was going to be, okay, let's get it over with. Heaney was atrocious. And before you knew it, they have a lead, 8-7. They have a lead. And you're like, this is something that could really be a tone setter, right? Here is a scenario where Yankee fans call up and talk about how Judge is not clutch, how Stanton's not clutch, how they never come up in big moments, how they just don't, they, they never show up. Oh, they'll, they'll give you the home run when, when the game is just about over or a solo shot. But in that inning, you had not one but a pair of two-run home runs from both the guys who many of you criticize who don't come, don't come up in the clutch, big. But yet and still, they both did and gave you a lead. And then for Zach Britton to give that up, you could just feel, you could just, I mean, aside from how beautiful the presentation was, aside from the cornfield, aside from the game, aside from the optics, everything was perfect for the Field of Dreams game. Everything was perfect. But if you're a Yankee fan, you're not going to, you'll remember the Field of Dreams game, but you're going to remember it for a game that you had that you that was blown again. So how will they respond tonight in Chicago? Okay, how will they respond? So I'm very curious to see how that's going to be. Then, yesterday, Mets have a 4-0 lead. 4-0. Down 4-0. I wish they had a 4-0 lead. <laughs> Dodgers up 4-0 over the Mets. And they come back. Okay? They come back and tie the game. And I'm thinking, this game is done. Okay? And I'm here, and Gary Cohen and, and Ron Darling are giving all the stats about this Dodgers team. And, you know, you know how great they are. And then you hear the stats about how they've struggled in one-run games, and in extra inning games. And you're like, we got a shot, okay? Ninth inning, Diaz comes in, and of course, you know, you're holding on. (laughs) 
You're on the cyclone at Coney Island. <laughs> because when Edwin Diaz comes in the game to relieve, you don't know what's going to happen. You're holding on. You're holding on because that's going to be a up and down ride. That's what you know. But he gets out of it. Mets don't score in the bottom of the ninth. Two-run home run in the tenth. Mets lose. This on the heels of two other bad things that happened to the Mets yesterday. I'll get to that in a second. So I'm very curious to see how both teams rebound from two tough losses. The Yankees had a day to rebound from that game. And we'll see what happens. 7-10 start tonight. Jamison Tyon and Dylan Cease. That's your matchup there. And listen, Jamison Tyon has been very good. Give him a lot of credit for what he's been able to do to turn his season around. He's done a heck of a job. He really has. Gary Cole did, has done a masterful job <laughs> with Jamison Tyon in watching that bullpen session and getting getting him on the right track. And then here at City Field, we've got Walker Bueller against Tyron Walker. And obviously, as a Met fan, you know the narrative with Tyron Walker. Here's the positive I'm going to swing your way. That in his last start, although it was a loss, Walker probably gave you his best performance since the All-Star break. So you're hoping that you get that Taiwan Walker, and you're hoping that he has less mistakes because every mistake he seems to make leaves the ballpark. And this Dodgers team does a nice job hitting home runs. So you're hoping, you're hoping that he can revert back make a couple of adjustments, get a little lucky, and for the Mets to finally have a lead when they're starting a game. It would be nice for them to score first instead of always climbing back in. Before yesterday's game, we found out that Javi Baez was going on the 10-day IL with back spasms. But that wasn't the top story. Before the game, Luis Rojas gave an update on Jacob DeGrom. And the update he gave was excruciating. It, it, it put a, it took a smile off the face of both Dave Rothenberg and Rick DiPietro as they filled in on the Michael K show yesterday. Here's what Luis Rojas had to say about Jacob DeGrom. So Jake, um, Went to LA to uh, to talk to to see Dr. Alatrash, uh, just to get more opinions on the recent imaging that he got, and um, so he, he came out that it's it's uh, slightly improving, uh, but there's there's gonna be just two more weeks, uh, no throw, and then to see further imaging after the two weeks. So he's gonna have two weeks from you know reassessing to see what uh, what's gonna start happening, what he's gonna be able to do. So when's the soonest we think we can see Jacob DeGrom? He's the skipper of the Mets. Yeah, so we, we haven't talked past the two weeks uh, about any of that. So nothing that we're, you know, thinking past that. We're, we're in the two weeks now thing. You know, we're, 
or in two weeks before this, waiting for him to start throwing, right? When he was when he was told when it was said to him and told to us. Uh, but now this, you know, with this, we just we're gonna trust uh, uh, that these two weeks are gonna do well for him, right? And then see what the next imaging show, and then we'll we'll reassess after we hear, uh, you know, from from the doctors' uh, reads of the imaging. Why is it that I have a feeling in my stomach that Jacob Degrom is not going to pitch again this season? Just a gut feeling. Now, of course. If you move him back, maybe he gets a couple of weeks. Maybe if the Mets are able to hang in there and get to a postseason, you could possibly see him in October. But I'm not, I don't have a lot of confidence in this team right now during this stretch. Did they give me a little confidence yesterday by fighting back and not laying down? Absolutely. And that's what this team has done. They've all they've they've fought back a lot. That's why the back-to-back series with the Marlins and the Phillies were so shocking. Because that's not been the M.O. of this team. The M.O. of this team has been when they've had their backs to the wall, they have responded. But during those two, they didn't. Now, give them credit. They bounce back. They sweep Washington. Larry, it's Washington. I get it. I know Washington's not a good team. I know they're, they have a very inexperienced, inexperienced pitching staff. But the bottom line here is that they went out and swept them. Now, if they had lost to them, you'd really have, I'd really be just going crazy. But they swept them, so they set themselves up. Would have been nice to steal one from the Dodgers last night. We'll see how they bounce back. You know, we miss his presence, right, on the on the field. Uh, but I mean, we're we're not gonna think differently uh, than what we thought, you know, going into spring training uh, that we. Knew we were gonna compete and we we're gonna have tough opponents and uh, and we're growing our mindset uh, since then, you know, to where we are now that uh, that we're gonna win. I mean, that's how we approach uh, each game. So so we're the guys are ready in there. I mean, you know, so even even after hearing those news, this news, and Jake telling everyone in the clubhouse what he heard from the doctors, like I don't think that's going to put the, head, the the guys heads down like the, these guys are going to move forward like the way the same way they they done it in the past Luis Rojas on the team's mindset knowing that DeGrom is not coming back anytime soon Larry Hardesty for Gordon Damer on 987 ESPN 1-800-919-3776 I, I tell you this is a tough one ladies and gentlemen when you and Yankee fans you understand this because you've been missing your ace too when you don't have your guy, your number one guy in the lineup pitching, your ace of the staff, there's just a different feeling, man. As great as DeGrom has been over the past couple of years, I mean, come on. You, The confidence you have when he's on the mound, you feel you can beat anybody. All you need is a run, and you're going to win because he doesn't give up any. Doesn't give up runs. Same thing with Cole. And although, although he's been a little inconsistent, he's had a couple of tough tough outings. But nevertheless, when he's out there, it's a different feel. Okay. I I put it up. I put it to you this way, Yankee fans. Would you have felt the same way with Garrett Cole pitching in the Field of Dreams game as you did against Heaney? <laughs> Yeah, I know. 
Joe's in Jersey. You're next on 987 ESPN. Hey, Joe. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, great point. I would have felt much better if Garrett Cole, obviously, if he didn't have COVID pitching in the game. I don't know why Heaney was in there too long. Um, I think the Yankees are going to bounce back. But to me, what tonight's game represents is what are they made of? Where is their heart? Is this the team that's going to buckle like how they did the first half of the season or the best team in baseball over the last five weeks? And and another thing here is is that I think that we're clicking. Uh, I think Jolie Gallo is a disaster. He, uh, half of his outs, half of his outbats have been strikeouts. Well, what we need to have is we need to have people and players play with the heart of like Paul O'Neill or Derek Jeter drive, diving into the stands. Uh, and And – I think at times in the past couple of years, we've been missing that from the Yankees. And as Yankee fans, it's very frustrating. I think that the loss, I think that if we would have won the Field of Dreams games, it would have just set the entire season on a different note. And it would have just catapulted us uh, to the division crown. Just my thoughts. What do you think? I hear you, Joe. Thanks for the phone call. Yeah, I, I, I could see how you would feel that way. Now, it may not have turned out that way, but why wouldn't you feel like that? I mean, think of the think of the setting. Okay, you were down. I mean, how confident were you that Heaney was even going to be that you were even going to be in that game? I mean, the White Sox are one of the preeminent teams in baseball this year. They've had a great year, and we've talked about them over the past couple of weeks. How good they've been! That you haven't really heard a lot about them because there's a lot. There's, there's East Coast bias here. Where Yankee fans are concerned about Boston. <laughs> and Tampa. That's who they're concerned about. What are we going to do with those teams? And those are the teams. So, you know, they haven't talked a lot about the Oakland A's and haven't talked a lot about the Chicago White Sox. I mean, more about Oakland because that, that's a wild card spot possibly, but not about the White Sox. And and they just, you know, the way they started out that game, you're thinking, you know, we're not winning this game. All right, we'll take the series. I mean, it was grumbling like, why are we starting Heaney in the, in the Field of Dreams game with everybody watching? What are we doing? Why are we doing that? But you come back. In the ninth inning, you come back. You get four runs in the ninth inning and take a lead. How could that not, from a fan standpoint, from even the standpoint of the players in that clubhouse, to make you think, hey, you know what? This is different. We've blown games like this, but now, hey, we won this one. This is what we like. This is the way it's going to be. Now, we let's go. Let's go. About Joey Gallo, listen, you say he strikes out, but that's who Joey Gallo is, right? Strikes out a ton, excellent defensive outfielder, good eye with walks. Strikes out a ton. You knew that when you were getting him. He's a lefty bat in the lineup. You like that, clearly. And when you think about it, he's really been worse than you think because Rizzo was so successful, everybody was focusing in on what Rizzo was able to do. Rizzo with the clutch hits. Rizzo with the clutch RBIs. Rizzo with the great play at first base. So everybody was focused on Rizzo. Gallo, you know, really, aside from that three-run home run he had, eh, not so much, right? Abdul's in Staten Island, next on 98.7 ESPN. Hello? Hello, Abdul. Hey, how you doing? I just Great. wanted to say thank you for taking the call. You got it. 
Talk to me. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know, as, as a Mets fan, it's very, it's very like, you know, it, it feels like they're just ripping your heart out. You know what I mean? Like, you're not hopping off this this, this train. You're listening to what Peter Alonso is saying, although it could be, you know, all this type of motion and whatnot. But you want to you want to listen to what he's saying, and you don't want to jump off. You don't want to jump off. And even though you know they they got the three Ws against the, the Nationals, although the Nationals aren't really that that good. You know they, they they overcome three different deficits and then uh, yesterday against the Dodgers they're down 4-0 they come back 4-4 you feel like they're, they're starting to you know have that grip on the game they let it slide and I'm just like man that's tough like I'm still not hopping off but they, they're just ripping your heart out at that point. Two things, Abdul. Thanks for the phone call. I feel your pain. I get it, and you're right because this was a opportunity to steal a win from a team that's playing better than you right now. Okay, you had the opportunity. You got into their bullpen. You got into the weakened underbelly of their bullpen, right? And you were able to even up a game that you were sleepwalking through. Whether it was Baez news going on the IL before the game, whether it was DeGrom news before the game, whatever. You jumped once again, you're trailing early, and you were sleepwalking. And all of a sudden, led by Michael Conforto of no no, no less, the struggles that he's had this year, you start a four-run inning to tie the game. Wild pitch, everything, passball, whatever it was. You, you tied the game. So it's a new game. And you have the momentum, clearly. You have the momentum. And you can't bring it home. That is a tough loss. And once again, it doesn't mean that Bueller and Serzer are, you know, tremendous shutout pitchers all the time. They told the rubber. But they're really, really good. <laughs> and so, yeah, they could both have bad days. Absolutely. But you're not thinking that way. So if you get that win last night, your mindset is just different. Doesn't mean that they're not, they don't have confidence that they could score in the next two games. Doesn't mean they don't have confidence they could win. But from a fan standpoint, that that you had a shot. You had a shot. And I got to say something about Peter Alonso. Okay? I criticized him, and so now I got to give him some credit. I'll do that next. Hardesty for Damer on 987 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Talk a little baseball, but you can weigh in with some hoops if you'd like to. We'll talk a little football as we get closer to our Jets-Giants broadcast here on 987 ESPN. It begins with Dan Grosser and Greg Butler at 630. Then they'll turn it over to Marty Lyons and Barbara Schusen at MetLife Stadium. First preseason game. Oh, lot of questions. Lot. I tell you. And I'll get to the calls in a second. Please, Jet fans, go to the game with an open mind. <laughs> That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Based on the calls I've taken and I've heard on this station, go with an open mind. <laughs> it's the first preseason game. First. Please, take it easy. Johnson Monroe, he's next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, John. 
Larry. Thanks for taking my phone call. Uh, I think as far as the Yankees, they have the talent to compete, but they gave away too many close games. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I think they should start selling off pieces for the future, to be honest with you. Well, John, um, they, they can't sell anything now because this is different than previous years where you had waiver wire and all this other stuff, so they can't make any more moves. This is the team that you're going to ride with. Uh, in the offseason, the, the question is going to be some of the pieces that I would think you would like to get rid of. I don't know are you easily going to get rid of them, John. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, and, you know, I know everybody wants to get rid of Giancarlo Stanton. I know we don't want him. He's not good. He's been awful. Bad signing. Bad trade. Blah, blah, blah. I get it. I get it. He's owed a lot of money. And I don't know if anybody else is going to take that contract, A, and B, he's got a no trade. So it's very likely he's still going to be here. Okay? Uh, I know many of you may want, may be like, okay, can we get rid of Gallo? <laughs> Let's let it play out and see what happens. Okay, he may have a resurgence. We'll wait and see. I mean, but when you hear Brian Cashman say that we were looking at obtaining him in the offseason – it seems like he was, he's was he been on their radar for a minute. And I just think that he's going to be part of this team. Uh, Rizzo, I would think, is a rental. But once again, these are the New York Yankees. So we'll see. I mean, the way he has performed, I mean, you just, you have, if you're a Yankee fan, you're feeling like whenever he comes up in a, in a spot where either he's moving the runner over or, getting a run in with less than two outs from third base or something like that. He does it. He is that contact hitter you've been waiting for, that smart contact hitter that hits the ball to all fields. You've been waiting for this guy. And you miss him. You miss him. You do. Let's face it. You miss him. And so, you know, yeah, the Yankees have given up a lot. They've been they've had a lot of gut punching, excruciating losses. They really have. Is it too many for them to get to the postseason? You might be right. But right now, they're, you know, they're still within striking distance. So you have to let it play out. Uh, before I get back to the calls, let me say this about Pete Alonso. He talked a lot of stuff. Oh, stay with us. Don't panic. Everything's going to be all right. Blah, 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 blah. We're just like, <laughs> stop. But I will say this. Uh, they didn't lose last night because of him. They won that series against Washington because of him. He had a 0 for 21 or something like that streak going into that series, and he was outstanding. He put that team on his back offensively. And so, you know, I criticized him. I thought he could have used better words. I understand he was speaking from an athlete's perspective because that's how they look at things. And as a fan, you're like, stop. You're driving me nuts. What are you talking about? You guys <laughs> lost, uh, lost a series to the Marlins and got swept by the Phillies. And you're telling me everything is going to be all right? You're nuts. But that's how athletes think. They move on. They, they've, he had long left that series. <laughs> he was gone. That series was gone to him. And he's looking ahead. And fans hold on to these things a little bit longer than the athletes do. But he showed up. He showed up. Got to give him some credit. Chris is in Harlem. He's next on 987 ESPN. Hey, Larry. Uh, first and foremost, again, I always want to shout you out. Your music uh, tops intros uh, in the game, and you're one of my favorite at the station. 
Uh, I appreciate that, Chris. And listen, I travel with yeah. Chris. I travel with my own DJ. So today is DJ JP. So he's got the music. So we're good. <laughs> Incredible. Incre- I mean, listen, the lineup needs to get you on on 97.8 and also on WBLS. I'm just saying you, you can do <laughs> double duty like Rosenberg. All right. Um, but what was I going to say? So I just wanted to, first and foremost, I'm, I'm a patient fan. I even support Armando Benitez for the Mets. I'm not a person wow. who rushes to judgment, but my, my gut, and I don't know if this is a Facebook algorithm, but I'm seeing San Francisco Bay Area how great Lance looks. I'm seeing Chicago, how field is the truth. And my gut about Zach Wilson, and I'm not rushing to judgment. I'm not one of the guys who's ready to write him off. But even with Chad Pennington when he came to the Jets, and I'm sure you remember, there was, he wasn't a starter. He, but people said, hey, there's something about him. There's that leadership quality. There's what he did with Randy Moss. There's just something. And, and my gut when we took Zach Wilson compared to everyone else said, ah, I don't know why. I, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant. Um, have you heard anything? Have you seen anything? What does your gut say? And I'm not rushing the judgment, but what's, what are you hearing from your peers across the country? And what are your thoughts on, on Zach? And I'll, I'll get off on this. And appreciate Hi, Chris. It. Thanks for the kind words. I appreciate you. Chris, listen carefully to me. Thanks for the phone call. Listen carefully. My peers are saying all the same thing. He has some really good throws. He has some throws that aren't that great. He is a work in progress. He's making adjustments to this level. He's getting more comfortable with the playbook. Chris, relax. It's going to be okay. Tonight, you'll see something. Tonight, you'll see him against another opponent. And I don't think he will give you the fear and the headaches that he gave a lot of Jet fans the green and white scrimmage. <laughs> but I'm just saying, he'll be fine, okay? You're going to watch him tonight against a, a Giants defense. That's a good defense, very good defense, I think. They're going to test him. And here's what you want to look for. You want to see from him how he how he gets the team in and out of the huddle because they really don't huddle much in college football, okay? So you want to see how he gets the team in and out of the huddle. You want to see if he holds the football too long. You want to see if he's near the end zone. How does he handle that? How does he deal with pressure? Does he panic? Does he look down the field as he's moving around in the pocket? These are the things you're looking for. And, Chris, we're not going to know how good or how bad he is tonight or next week. Or after the first game of the season, or after the first five games of the season, we're not going to be able to judge Zach Wilson until we have a year to say, okay, here's what he did this year. We like this, we don't like that. Moving forward, hopefully he'll do this because he needs to get better at that. And then, guess what? After we see this, we're going to have to turn around and reevaluate it again because the league is going to make adjustments to the things that he was successful with and the things that he struggled. And it's going to be up to him and the coaching staff to coach him up so he doesn't make those same mistakes again and he adds another dimension that you haven't seen. So, and listen, if you're patient with Armando Benitez, you can clearly be patient with Zach Wilson. <laughs> you can clearly be patient. Dave's in Westchester. You're next on 98.7 ESPN. 
All right, Dave is gone. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on? How you doing, baby? I'm doing great, man. What's up? Hey, listen, um, two things. Uh, obviously, football is a discussion shifted. I felt bad for you when I saw the Mets last night. I was trying, I was trying to watch her. I thought they was going to pull that out, man. I, I felt bad, man. I was thinking about you when I saw that last night, too. I knew you was going to leave with that. Oh, you know? I was struggling. <laughs> I was struggling yeah, last night. Yeah, man. yeah. I, that I mean, one. my wife, she's a big Mets fan, so, you know, she was... You know, she was she, she was pissed off too. But you know, <laughs> let's see if they did bounce back though. They'll bounce back. We'll see. We'll see. You know, um, you know, they will. They will. I I, I got belief in them. They will. I, I like Alonzo. I think they'll bounce back. Mm-hmm. But um, listen, man, I don't know if you saw any of that preseason earlier today, man. I mean, you know, Fields came out there first quarter. You know, first, you know, second quarter he was a little shit, shit. Mm-hmm. Yo, by the third quarter, man, it looked like he was back in Ohio State again, man. He looked oh, good. He looked calm. Oh, um, the moment oh, clearly wasn't God. too big for him, Buddha. The moment clearly that wasn't too big. Stud, I'm telling you, yo, yo we're going to rule the day we didn't get that guy, man. I, I'm telling you, I think in two years, two to three years, he'll be better than Lawrence. He'll be better than all of these guys. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. There's nothing we can do about that now. Just hope when I'm looking at this game tonight, and obviously they're not really playing too many people, and the Jets have a couple of guys injured. I mean, that's the main focus of tonight. You know, I, I don't really care so much about the plays are going to be vanilla on both sides of the ball. You want to come out of this game, you know, no no worse for wear than you are now. You know, I, I think Tucker's not playing right. The kid Moore's mm-hmm. not playing right. Um, you know, you want to make sure that we keep these guys healthy. And then basically, if Zach Wilson can hand the ball off without tripping over his own feet, I'll be good with that. <laughs> well, Buddha, <laughs> thanks for the phone call. I think I think you'll be good then because <laughs> I don't think he's going to be tripping over his own feet. I hope we, didn't, hope we didn't just jinx him. But I don't think he'll be tripping over his own feet. And I do think that that's what you look for, right, that calmness when the, when the pocket closes in. How does he deal with that? Now, when he was in college, he was able to use his feet to roll out to extend plays. That's what you want to see from him. And you're right. Justin Fields, when you saw him, he was near the goal line. The only thing you could criticize is that, you know, the check down was right there. He could have hit the check down right away. But once again, he's looking down the field. And the check down was still there, so he eventually went back to the check down. But he wasn't rushing or nervous. And the one thing he didn't do near the – near the goal line was trying to put the ball behind his back because somebody was trying to tackle him and he fumbled it and go out of bounds. Sorry, Jeff, I had to do that to you. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hardest two for Damer. First hour down, hour number two. 1-800-919-3776. We're here until Dan Grasser, Greg Buttle, Jets pregame show here on 98.7. Turn our attention to football in a couple of minutes. We've kind of touched on it already. And I'm a little disappointed about Daniel Jones not playing tonight. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Right now, I just want to spend a couple of minutes because I've gotten some tweets about it and a couple of calls about it. And it's just really weird to me is the interest in summer league basketball uh, as far as the Knicks are concerned, right? Because normally we would be not all over summer league, but we, we clearly would be 
uh, it's really into it because we would have a lottery pick playing. And we kind of want to see what, what the lottery pick was like. Remember when you were looking at Porzingis and trying to see how he played and whatnot, what he was doing in the, in the, in the you know, summer league games? But this year, this year is a little different. But people have really been into these summer league games. And so when you see what – and you've seen some signs that Obi Toppin has improved. All right, and you see what Emmanuel quickly has been able to do on at the point guard position where he's they're looking at him to see if he's getting better. Can he be a person that can run the team's offense and mix in because of his ability to score and have the ball in his hands a lot? Can he also see the floor and make other people better and get them shots in the right place? And, of course, you want to look at your rookies that you drafted. And so you, there's been a lot of – it just seems like there's been a bit more interest into it than it has been previously. I just want to take a couple of minutes before we go back and, and really lock in on football just to talk about it and some of the positives that – some of the positive things that you've seen. And, you know, for me, it's it's – for Obi Toppin, it's about being efficient in his scoring and being aggressive with his scoring. Okay, we, we kind of know that he's a, a really good player. We can see from how he progressed last year. Had injury at the beginning of the season, so it slowed him down. He didn't get a lot of minutes. But as you, he got minutes down the stretch going into the postseason, he made you curious. He made you want to see more. And ultimately, that's what you want to see, right? Ultimately, with your young player, you want to see him improve. It's the same theory that you have with Zach Wilson if you're a Jets fan. You want to see him improve. You want him to not make the same mistakes in week one or two that he's making in week 16, 17, 18. Okay, just done what you want to see. So that's what you like about Toppin. You see that he's defensively because of the team's identity, being a defensive team, which it is. Uh, if he's going to get playing time, it's going to be his defensive skills and rebounding primarily. And whatever he gives you offensively is a bonus. That's how that's the focus. That's how it is. That's that's how you're looking at this. Okay, that's how you believe it is. That's what Tom Thibodeau's idea has been. Okay, so that's what you want to see from him. He's shown you a good range. We know he can hit the three. You'd like for him to be a bit more consistent from the three. And so he'll continue to work on that. So those are the things you like that you've seen from him. Quickly, I mentioned previously is, listen, we know he can score. We saw that a lot last year. We saw his ability to get better. We saw his ability to score. Little teardrop in the lane, jumper, three-point shot. You know, he was a very, he was a big surprise. Okay, big surprise. And, you know, you want to see now him to take that next step. I mean, listen, this was a guy whom after the All-Star break, we were wondering if he could 
start for this team. How crazy is that, right? <laughs> we wanted him to start. So you really, in this summer league, you really want to see if he's able to take that next step. Now, you've got some kids that you drafted. Quentin Grimes, you want to see what he can do. He's a, he's a, he's a guy that is a three-point shooter, made a pretty good average percentage of threes in Houston. So obviously you want to look at him and see what he brings to the table. Miles McBride, same thing uh, out of West Virginia. A, for me, I think a little better percentage-wise guy from three although he didn't do well last night, but the previous game, he was six for six. So, you know, look, streaky, streaky shooters, right? Even young players, streaky shooters. So you're looking to see what he brings to the table, and they're getting a lot of playing time, so that's what you'd like to see. Jericho Sims is another player uh, out of Texas at 6'10", who's really athletic. Really, really athletic. And he's, he's uh, you know, He's, he's caught some eyes <laughs> and uh, what he's been able to do as far as, you know, rebounding and being showing his athleticism on the break and doing some stuff like that. So I think, and once again, you don't know how your draft choices are going to be for another year, two years in a lot of cases. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, what you're getting is you're having an opportunity to see what you have to work with and how you can booster your bolster your bench and with young talent and where this young talent is going to go and then the battle and the challenge is for your coaching staff to improve on that young talent right to take that young talent make it better so that you're able to either play them or trade them <laughs> Because that's ultimately what you want to do. Either you're going to play them, they're going to keep them, and they'll be, they'll have that depth to your team offensively and defensively that helps you have sustainable success where you have waves of players coming in and sticking. And if you're a Knicks fan, that's something that you cannot say that you have had is <laughs> consistent talent being drafted. You're happy to have draft choices. Okay, I remember times as a Knicks fan where the Knicks didn't have draft choices. They were gone to other teams for, you know, players who were on their way out. But that's not what these this regime, the end of the last regime, and this regime has done. And so you give them credit. And so, yeah, you know, you have a Kevin Knox, you have a Frank Nilakina. That hasn't worked out as well. Knox will see. Maybe he can, you know, maybe he can find a way to improve. We'll see. But at least now it looks as though you're drafting a better caliber of talent with the new organization that you brought in. And hopefully they'll be able to pay dividends because if they're able to do that and they're able to be talented and they're able to reach that height that you want them to do, you don't have to sign a bunch of folks. You can pick and choose who you're signing. You'll save a lot of money. <laughs> or you've got tradable assets that you can get another player who's better who is the, uh, the veteran player who has what the young players are missing on your team maybe it's the ability to be strong and to close in the final two or three minutes of a game 
that 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 player that can take over, that veteran, that top tier player. Because all these players are not going to play. You'll keep the best ones, the marginal ones or whatnot, that may be good, but you, they don't fit what you're trying to do. Maybe you move on from them. But at least it looks as though that this is a Nick team that's starting to draft in the right direction. And, you know, if you're a Nick fan, that's pretty exciting. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. DJ It's the Gordon Damer Show. Hey Castro, go crazy. Yeah. Larry Harstein for Gordon. We gone. Stop. We good. Stop. Chill. Talk to you on the phone. Got a bunch of things going. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go Mike in the car. Mike, you're next on ninety eight seven ESPN. Larry one hundred. What's going on, man? What's up, Mike? How you doing, my friend? Good, good. I heard you talking just now. I was talking about the Knicks, and the first name that came was Larry 100 because you always keep it 100. Um, what I want to say is I like what you're saying about the Knicks. You know, we got Tibbs. We got a real coach. We feel like we got a real front office. Finally, we're drafting. We're not giving away all our picks like with Barnyarney and all those other people. That's what I thought about when you were saying that. Um, I, have a, I have my point on the Knicks, but I also have a quick Jets point if you could let me sure. after. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we're I think that we're, like you said, we're finally in the position that we're not a laughing stock and we're getting some credibility. I think we're one, maybe two seasons away if we keep in this trajectory to start attracting real free agents. You know, Kemba was a good start, right? Uh, you know, get like the elite talents. My question on the Knicks is, how, and then I have the Jets one, how realistic do you think it is that we, we could trade for Dame Lillard? Because I think that'd be a game changer. Yeah, I agree. I don't know right now that you have enough for him. Uh, I would think that Portland would want more than what you have uh, because here's the tricky thing, Mike. You don't want to trade for him and then he come here and you don't have enough to surround him. So you might need, That's true, you like might need a little bit more. Yeah, like Mello, yeah. Right. exactly, exactly. So you might need a little bit yeah, more no, I, uh, before you bring him here right now. Okay, fair point. I like having that. Having said so, that, okay, though, Mike, hey, Mike, hey, Mike, having said that, I would love yeah. to have him. Don't, 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 oh. don't misunderstand me now. I would love to have him. I just don't think they have enough to get him. No, that, that, exactly. I'd love to have him too, but we gotta we gotta take the goggles off and see what's real. No, I, I agree. Uh, switch you over to the Jets. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm a Jets fan. I want to hear your opinion on this. All I see is people crucifying uh, Zach Wilson. It's practice. Look, it's, that's what practice is for. I think personally, look, ten years, I, I, same year, same old Jets. But may, maybe in fifteen we had a good run, but we still fell short. My question, I'll hang up and hear your, your thoughts are, is I look at the, the team up and down. I think the whole line is major improved. I think the receivers has been major improvement. The defense, I don't like the corners. That's, that's, that's shaky. But we got a nice front seven. You know, we got mostly coming back. I'm not saying we're going to make the playoffs, but I think we're going we're gonna to surprise a little people with Salah and everything we got going on. I want to hear your thoughts on that. All right, Mike. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Um... Look, there's a lot of pressure here uh, because this is a position that has haunted the Jets for a number of years. And there were still many folks who felt that Sam Darnold, had he had weapons, was still could have still been the quarterback for this team going forward. So 
you move on from him and you bring in Zach Wilson and you bring in with your, you know, second pick over on the draft. So there are a lot of high expectations for him. Okay. Right behind Trevor Lawrence. And there's a lot of high expectations for Trevor Lawrence as well. Whenever you and Justin Fields also in Chicago, whenever you take quarterbacks in the first round and you've been a bad team, everybody fiends on what's going on with the quarterback. And that is for a young quarterback. That is that's the NFL today. What is he doing? How many snaps did he get? How many dropbacks? How many picks? How many inches? How did he fumble the ball? Did he throw it high? How many? What's his completion percentage? On and on and on and on. We dissect young quarterbacks, and the reason why why we do that is because in another era, what you did with these quarterbacks is, with a few exceptions, they sat behind who the veteran was and they waited. Well, now we expect our quarterbacks to be ready to go. We expect that they have the fundamental knowledge to be ready to go, and we can come in, give them a game plan with the peop- with the team that we have surrounding them, and they should be able to be at least successful to the point that we're a credible team on the field. So because of that, there are sometimes unrealistic expectations. And what you have to understand is there's several things. One, it depends on, first of all, for you to get a high choice, with rare exception, for you to get a high choice as a quarterback, for a draft, that means you were a really bad team the year before. So there's pieces offensively, defensively, special teams that's missing from your team to have success. All right? So when you bring in a new quarterback, you're bringing a new quarterback into a bad team. So what has that team done in the offseason to try to improve themselves so that they make it a little easier for their young quarterback coming in? And that's what we have to see. So, and I think Bob Wischusen said it best when he was filling in for Greeny. And he said, listen, when you look at this Jet receiving core, there have been more receiving cores that have had more talent. But from a depth standpoint, this could be one of the deepest receiving cores, especially a wide receiver, that the Jets have had. All right? It's a deep team. You have several options. The thing that I'm very curious to see, and I've not been getting good reports, and Rich Samini was on with me earlier in the week, covers the Jets for ESPN.com, does a great podcast called The Flight Deck, is very simply the tight ends have not been good. And listen, the Jets have been waiting for this tight end position to be better. We've been talking about we've been talking about Chris Herndon for a number of seasons now. And last season he got some opportunities and he dropped the ball. Couldn't hold on to it. And so now you're looking and you're figuring, okay, we got these receivers, a nice tight end to change things up would be great. And now you're hearing that the tight ends have not been really consistent or haven't shown you much. That's that's not what you want to see in training camp. So hopefully that's something that changes as you go on. But that's why you're hearing that uh, about uh, Zach Wilson, because everybody's talking about the quarterback. And even tonight, there could be a defensive lineman that may have a bunch of sacks. There could be a a, a tight end, a a middle linebacker that has a, a, a... Great tackle. The bottom line, the headline tomorrow is going to be what Zach Wilson did, how he looked. They're going to dissect him all the way through. That's just the way it is. Uh, Just to add to your point before I get to more calls about your your front seven, I agree with you. I think the front seven has potential. And I've been hearing a lot about Carl Lawson during practice. So uh, I got a tweet from uh, my nephew, Jay Blaze, NYC. That's one person I'm looking for tonight. Jay Blaze. I'm looking at Carl Lawson. I want to see what he's if he can continue to
to have that success and that play that has jumped out on video and has jumped out to reporters during training camp, I want to see if he can do that tonight. So I'm very curious to see. Okay? The offensive line appears to be better, Mike, but we got to wait and see. You know, you've got some missing pieces on that offensive line, and that's always been an issue, okay, because they need to play together so that they are more confident. You know, they always say hand like the fist. Each, 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 each offensive lineman is like a finger and on that hand, and once they get together and play together, they're like a fist. You think each other. You know how, you, how the blocking scheme is going to go. It's second nature. You know what to do. And I don't know if they're at that stage yet. Derek's in Long Island. Hey, D, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, how you doing? Uh, Great. I just wanted to uh, defend uh, Wilson here for a second. Mm-hmm. I hear way too many fans calling up, and you're, you're preaching patience with them. This is something you should be telling them after the first season, maybe even after the first two. And it wasn't like – it wasn't a crazy reach for him at all. I mean, when – I know you're probably familiar with Albert uh, Breer, the writer. Mm-hmm. Sure. But he, he, pulled, he pulled a lot of, like, executive coaches around the NFL, and Wilson was widely thought of to be the second-best quarterback. Chris Sims even had him one. So mm-hmm. I don't know whether the kid has a pretty face or something. They just like to get on him. And I know I know Fields did play well today, but we also have to understand that was in the second quarter. He, he's not even named the starter from the beginning. And he's been kind of this underdog, you know, because everyone was ripping him apart during the draft process, like I was throwing motion. But that, that was a real thing. Like, there's a reason that Denver didn't draft him. Like, I mean, Carolina basically said, we think Sam Darnold is better than Justin Fields. And any Jets fan, like... Uh, looking at the, I know some of them uh, defend Darnold, no weapons or whatever, but Darnold had probably one of the worst seasons ever recorded in history last year. So the Carolina Panthers looking at Justin Fields, you would think that'd be a simple pick for them, but there's a reason he fell to 11. So can, if you're a Jets fan, you want to call the station and insult Zach Wilson and all this other stuff, he's our guy now. We're rolling with him. So it's either get on board or get off. I appreciate your time, Larry. All right, Derek, thanks for the phone call. Here's the issue that you have, though. People want – you. They want the uh, results of he didn't miss a pass. Oh, the ball, a beautiful, gorgeous spiral went through the air. Look, he made mistakes, and practice is where you want him to make the mistakes. <laughs> you don't want him to make the mistakes today, <laughs> tonight, right? You In a game situation, you want him to be crisp. You want to see what he has. That's what you want to look to do. And I think, look, you ride because you care. And this is a position and, yeah, you're right, Zach Wilson was highly thought of. But there's, there's going to be some people who are going to say to you, you know, we win, we win a couple of games. We could have had Trevor Lawrence, who was the number one quarterback. So how's this guy going to do? And, yeah, it's about patience. But, you know, when you're a Jets fan who hasn't tasted the postseason in over a decade, okay, you, it, it, I understand why you're not patient. I get it. I get it. But it is training camp okay so let's wait and see how he is and yeah you you well well, you don't know how good a quarterback he's going to be you're not going to know for a little bit what you will know is that you'll see some tendencies that tell you that he is moving in the right direction you'll know that and once again it's about other teams like um herbert okay in la i mean come on his offensive line wasn't the best, but he was a guy who was able to move the football and do some things on his own. So how I always look at quarterbacks is this. What the quarterback can control, how does he do with that? Does he 
throw the ball in the double coverage because he can control that. Does he move out and he sees that the check down is covered? Uh, does he run the ball out of bounds, run to get some yardage, run the ball out of bounds, and live to have another play? Does he panic under pressure? These are the things that he can control. And so that's what you want to see, how the quarterback, how Zach Wilson's going to be under pressure. Because what, what does all defensive coordinators do with rookie quarterbacks? They try to pressure him and show him different defenses so that they don't know what they're seeing and they make mistakes. So if you get a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes, and in this case, because unfortunately Sam Darnold had issues staying on the field, okay, if you get a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes, minimizes mistakes, because they all make mistakes, but a quarterback that minimizes his mistakes and is able to stay on the field, you're ahead of the game. Because he's got to get better if he stays on the field. <laughs> he'll get better because he'll see more stuff and he'll be successful and he'll be comfortable as long as you continue to coach him up and put the right people around him. You're listening to 98.7 ESPN. Hardesty for Damer on 98.7. 1-800-919-3776. So before we get to the calls, let me go back. You heard it during the commercial break of Keyshawn uh, Johnson and Alan Hahn. And they're on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin with Alan Hahn. has been filling in for Zubin. 8 to 10, Monday through Friday here on 98.7 ESPN. And let me give you the longer version of their discussion about Zach Wilson. Check this out. Chicago's ready. Chicago's right there. The Jets are not. Because of that, Alan, you want him to do all the right things like Robert Sala says. He's processing. He's processing study habits and demeanor. Yes. That is what I want to see. But I've also seen video of him missing a receiver by about, I don't know, maybe 15 feet. I've also seen Peyton Manning throw 50 interceptions as a rookie and turn into a Hall of Famer. It doesn't matter right now. Stop getting all excited about damn training camp. Hey, it was 28 interceptions, and why are you yelling? Because you're making me yell by sitting up there getting mad about an interception or two in a spring game, and one of the interceptions was a tip pass. So now you're going to tell me, well, he needs to get it over that guy's head. That, that's exactly what you're going to tell me. No, what, what I want to know is that this was the right pick because it was the second you pick in the draft. don't know if it's the right pick just yet. You've got to I've got to have some evidence it's the right pick, though, Key. And I think some that, evidence? Uh, it's the second he, pick in the draft. You don't know. You don't know if Trevor Lawrence is the right pick and number one overall. You don't know. Exactly. And you're not going to know. <laughs> even if even if he even if he has a perfect training camp he can have a perfect training camp perfect doesn't mean he's going to have a great regular season and that's when it really counts is the regular season yeah i want him to of course you want him to be successful of course you want to see what he can do of course you want him to be the best he can be of course you want to see signs but you're asking for guarantees and there's no such thing. Yeah, I understand the passion. I understand Alan's passion for as, as a Jet fan. I get it. I get it. I want my guy to be. Yeah, I want there to be no doubt that we got the we got the right guy. <laughs> You're not gonna know. It's way too early. Way too early. And while I get that Zach Wilson, because he's the quarterback, is what is on what everybody's eyes are on this this team. There have been some other acquisitions that I need to see that are going to, you know, break, make or break. 
Now, playoff team for this year, you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot. I don't know that they're going to – this is a two-win team from last year. Two wins. Now, clearly, they will be better. Clearly. But are you telling me that they're, they're, they're going to be seven or eight, nine wins better? I mean, do you think they're eight wins better going to make them? Is this a nine, a nine and eight team? Is this a 10 and 17? I mean, I don't know. I just know you're asking a lot. There's a lot that's got to go right for you to be able to make that jump with a new head coach, with a rookie quarterback, with a revamped offensive line, with a secondary that if this defense doesn't pressure the quarterback and, and not, I didn't say sack, pressure the quarterback in key moments of games and stop the run, the secondary is, is not exactly your best, not exactly your strength of the defense. Okay, what you want to see here is the team take steps to win games be competitive in games, not beat themselves, and watch the growth of your quarterback every week. That's 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 what you're looking for. Iris in Staten Island. He's next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, what's happening, Lyle? How are you? Hi, Ira. How are you? All good, all good. Headed out to the stadium. That's a thrill. That's a privilege, right, after two years. Man, but, it's going to be a good amazing. feeling. Oh, it's a real good feeling. But, you know, it, it's funny. I'm listening to your conversation and how you're describing everything. And yet people are getting way, way, way too ahead of themselves, whether Zach has a good training camp, a bad training camp, you know, whether how many wins and losses. This this is definitely a, a long process. Um, listen, he has a lot of talent. I thought he drafted him with the second overall pick. I'm not concerned about Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Lance or Matt, you know, Jones or any of these guys. I want to see my quarterback just grow. The best thing about this, Larry, is they have a good, solid nucleus in the building that's going to coach this kid up the right way. And they have a good foundation. Joe Douglas is building on both sides of the lines. He's added skill position players, running back and receivers for Zach. I think Salah will take care of the defense. I think we've talked about it. I think the front seven is going to be outstanding. Um, How many quarterback sacks, like you said, I don't know but I think they will get pressure. And I do believe the secondary is going to outperform what people think. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're going to win seven games. I'm not saying nine games. They're probably a five or six one team. But at the end of the day, if all these young kids and the coach grow together and the quarterback develops as a Jets fan, that's all I can ask for going into next season. You're right. That's it. That, that's what you're looking for. You're looking, you're looking for this is, the, this is foundational year. How do you move forward? How do you get better? How does the team grow to itself? How does how does the coaching go? How how does Robert Salah run the sideline? You know what I'm saying, Ira? There's so many questions that you have here about this team. Is is he is he going to be the guy that's that's heavy calling plays for the defense? Will he be able to listen on what's going on on the offense? Well, there's a lot of stuff we don't know. Okay, and so these are the things. Here's what you find out about your team. You find out about your team when they go through adversity. Then you, then that's when you see, okay, wow, they bounce back from that. I'm impressed. Wow. Oh, you know what? They, they didn't handle it right, but they'll learn. You know, these are the things. And so you have to go along on that journey, Ira. And, you know, 
I know the Jet fans have been on a bunch of these journeys. <laughs> so it's, it's like, oh, God, here we go, another journey. But, you know, that's what it's about as a fan, and that's what it's about for you. This is a new beginning. That's right. And the best part about the beginning, Larry, is they're all young, they're all new, and they're all on the same page. And for me, they're, they're ahead of schedule right now just with the three things I just told you. Yeah, absolutely, Ira. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk soon. And hopefully you can keep your guys healthy. Okay, already uh, Vera Tucker, who has been, on all accounts, having a unbelievable camp. Okay, you want to see him back on the field. You, you know, you want to see uh, Elijah Moore, who many have said has been the arguably one of the best players during training camp because of his versatility, what he's been able to do, the plays he's been able to make. You're not going to have him tonight. You want him to be healthy. And that's the other thing. You want help. You want to have these young players stay on the field so they can get better and learn. That's what you want. Sam's in Rockland. Sam, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. Um, the perfect analogy or perfect uh, example, I think Zach Wilson really reminds me of Matt Ryan down in Atlanta. I think the way Matt Ryan was throwing early on in his career all over the place, throwing to great receivers, but that's the point. It takes time for all these players to gel together. Even if they have a high-flying offense, they need a running game. They need a great defense just to pull it all together, just to make the Super Bowl and just to finish those Super Bowls. You know how the Patriots, they won with the running game, short game. And that's what I look forward to the Jets developing. You know, not only a high-flying offense, like a short game, a great running game, two or three running backs. Look at the Bucks. They took two or three great running backs in their system just to make it to the Super Bowl and win that game. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to make that point. I think Matt Ryan is a great analogy for uh, compared to uh, Zach Wilson. That's it. Thanks. All right, Sam. Thanks for weighing in. I tell you, and uh, you'll hear Greg Butler with Dan Grassup at 630 on the Jet pregame show here on 98.7 ESPN. But Greg always says about running the football, running the football, it's 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 – it's a nice option to have, and it's excellent in the red zone. But you know what? Between the 20s, you just want to have that, that, that ability to do it. It's really, about, it's really about passing the ball. It's about being able to roll out. It's about having a run game that you established early, so yes, you can use your play action, of course. But for the most part, in today's NFL, you've got to be able to throw the ball. If you can throw the ball, run in the red zone, run on on what is, you know, in key situations, that's when you're successful. Okay, Tom Brady with with Tampa was successful because he had great receivers and a heck of a tight end. (laughs) And, oh, yeah, he ran the ball when when, when they needed to. And Damian Woody always talks about, you know, our analyst at ESPN and the former, you know, two-time Super Bowl winner about how you, you know, the one thing about the running game is in the wintertime and the inclement weather, you can pack your running game and your defense and travel. And Jet fans, you know about that because you saw that for two consecutive years when you had a rookie quarterback named Mark Sanchez and you were able to have some success and reach the AFC finals, conference finals, because you had a running game, a quarterback to all he had to do was not make mistakes, just make the plays, manage the game, and play good defense. Now we're asking our quarterbacks to do a little bit more than manage the game now, our young quarterbacks, but the idea is still the same. This Jet team's their 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 identity is their defense, and so if they can have a good defense that keeps you in games, 
okay? You still have to put points on the board to be able to score. And let's face it, running the ball a lot, not saying you can't run it at all, but running the ball a lot is not going to be in the position to give you a chance to put a ton of points on the board. It's a great, you know, balance. You have to have some balance. You have to show that you can run sometimes. Otherwise, you know, the, the pass rush, they'll be just pinning their ears back and pressuring the passer. And you don't want that with your young quarterback. So you have to have be able to run the ball to keep the defense honest. But, you know, let's let's remember, teams are putting up 35, 40, 45 points in games here. And you don't do that by running the football. That That's not the recipe for grounded bound. It's not. I think it's Saquon. When you look at Saquon and what he means to an offense, he makes the wide receivers better. He makes the offensive line better. And he makes Daniel Jones better. And when you think about now going out and getting Kyle Rudolph opposite Evan Ingram and with Kadarius Toney, it's going to force the defense's hand. I definitely think that this offense and everything in 2021 has to go through Saquon Barkley. The former Super Bowl offensive lineman for the Giants, David Deal, was on KJZ this weekend. Those were his thoughts about, really, the return of Saquon Barkley. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show. Larry Hardesty for Gordon at 98.7 ESPN. Giants and Jets get together tonight at 7.30. Pre-game right here on 98.7 ESPN at 6.30 with Dan Grosser and Greg Buttle. And this is an interesting year for the Giants. And this is an interesting game. Only from this, And I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Okay, And I understand, and I was always curious to try to figure out how uh, teams with the with one less preseason game were going to operate. Because normally, I mean, you've been familiar, and there, of course that has even changed over the past couple of years where some first year, first uh, some veteran quarterbacks don't even see the field <laughs> during preseason because you're afraid they'll get hurt and the season could end before it begins. But normally, you know how it is. First game, the starters get a couple of series. Second game, they play the half. Third game, they go into the third quarter. Fourth game, they all sit. Okay, that's what it's been. But now with there being one less preseason game, I was very curious to see how teams were going to do. And as Jordan Renan told me uh, this week, that what the Giants are doing is they're using this game, even though it's their first preseason game, they're treating it like their fourth preseason game. So that's why, no, you won't, don't expect to see Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley or Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, John Ross, or Kadarius Tony. So you're not going to see any of those players. And even if they weren't treating it that way, I don't think you would see Saquon Barkley. You're not going to see Saquon Barkley until the regular season, and I understand why. Because you, you, you don't want to waste anything, you know, that he his abilities in the preseason. You want him to get as much time to make sure he's ready to go. And then when the bell rings, you'll make that determination on whether you're going to start him, whether he's going to be ready to go week one or whether to go ready to go week two or whatever. And to a, to an, to a point, I agree with David Deal. I don't necessarily agree that the offense has to go through Saquon Barkley, but I do agree that Saquon Barkley – will make a difference in the offense. And that's because you add the versatility. One of the things that I thought Daniel Jones, one of his strengths is his ability to do the play action. And I think when you have a consistent run game, that play action is all the better. Now, they have improved the receivers around him. 
David Deal mentioned the free agent acquisition of Kenny Galladay. And I'm on record saying that I believe that his ability to be, you know, a, a good receiver, great hands, a guy who may, some people criticize whether he can get uh, consistent separation from the secondary. But for me, I think in the red zone at 6'3", he'll be able to uh, be a, a really good target for Daniel Jones. So I think with him, uh, the tight end Kyle Rudolph, which means Evan Ingram, you're on the clock. <laughs> we really need to see something from you this year, my friend. All right. Uh, with those acquisitions and the ability to run the ball, it gives you a different look. And so you have more options in the red zone for the Giants offensively than you've had in previous seasons. So that can do nothing but help you, and it, and it could do nothing but make Daniel Jones, I believe, a better quarterback. Here's what David Deal thinks about DJ. I think this is the year that he has to prove that he is the franchise quarterback of the New York Giants, considering the fact they went out and completely retooled this offense for him, and the fact that they have two first-round draft picks in 2022 – that puts precedent on him right now. It does, because what it says is if you're not the guy and we have to trade for one or draft for a quarterback, we will do that. So we need to see something from you. Dave Gettleman has gone on record during the week of saying, of course, that he believes in uh, Daniel Jones. He's like what he's seen from him so far. And clearly, I believe that with the improved weapons, he will have a better season than he's had previously. The biggest thing about Daniel Jones that has frustrated excuse me, Giant fans, is very simple. It's been the ability, his inability to hold on to the football and not turn the football over. But you will admit that last year his turnovers decreased. So that's a good thing. And when you think about it in his second year, that's what should happen. It should decrease. He should not be making the same type of mistakes that he made in his first year. So I think he will be a better quarterback. Now the question is, will that will that improvement turn to wins? If they can find a way to be more successful, if they can find a way to be better in the red zone, then obviously they'll have a better opportunity offensively to do some things. I think Jason Garrett and, and Daniel Jones have a pretty good rapport. I like some of the things they did outside the 20s. It was when they got into the red zone that things just went crazy. And once again, the lack of a consistent running game made them almost one-dimensional in key situations. Not to mention the offensive line. Now, we've been talking about this giant offensive line, it seems like, forever. Every time we turn around, what do we say? Boy, the Giants offensive line. The Giants get their offensive line together. Well, if the Giants had the offensive line, well, I think they've taken some steps. And so tonight, uh, will we get a chance to see Andrew Thomas? What is he able to do? Will he has his footwork improved at that left tackle spot? Is he a guy that now can do a better job? What has he learned? What has he taken away? What has he worked on to improve? in this offseason because he's the key to Daniel Jones' blind side. Is he better? That's going to go a long way in, sh in letting us see just how talented this offensive line is going to be. If you can give Daniel Jones some time, he's shown that from a completion percentage, he's not bad.
He does a pretty good job completion percentage-wise. He does. So if you give him some time, give him some weapons, I think he'll be better. The one thing for me that I expect will also get better, and it was really good last year, is the Giants' defense. I mean, Patrick Graham last season did a tremendous job in scheme, in uh, calling the game, and he really, in in a lot of situations, he really did a fabulous job with this Giants defense. Now, and of course, Leonard Williams had a unbelievable year, double-digit sack total, 11 and a half, if I remember correctly. And so, yes, uh, if he if, if he can give you something similar to that, that's going to help you, obviously. It's another year under Patrick Graham's defensive scheme, so they're going to be better. They clearly will be more comfortable. They'll be able to play faster. So there's a lot of positives. I'm on record for saying this. I think this Giants team can win 10 games this year in this division. I really do. Because their defense, for me, is second in the division only to Washington. Their defense is really good. And so I believe the Giants will be in games. And if they don't beat themselves, they've got an opportunity to win some games. If they were a six-win team last year, in a year where the whole division was awful, (laughs) but they were able to win six games. And I believe that they they can find a way to win another four. Second year under Joe Judge, you know what to expect from him. The team looked really prepared. The team didn't beat themselves. This was a team that, you know, minimized their mistakes. Didn't didn't say they didn't make any mistakes. Minimized their mistakes. So this is what I expect from this Giants team this year. I know a lot of people like Giants aren't going to be that good. Giants are going to be this. No. You add Galladay, Saquon Barkley, a speed guy like Tony to the offense. I even mentioned Rudolph yet. And they're better. It's a better offense. It's a deeper offense. It's like everybody says. If the offensive line plays well and Daniel Jones gets better, they should be better. This is 98.7 ESPN.